Hey there, Bill. We hope you're enjoying your Thursday in Atlanta. With a high of 54 degrees and a low of 40, you've got scattered clouds this morning turning to overcast clouds by evening. Sounds like a cozy day to catch up on the news or maybe a date night with Lauren. Well, we can't help the kid with his date plans, but as far as news goes, we've got plenty to discuss today. First up, Taiwan's President Lai Ching-te is ushering in an era of change as his administration takes office. With a focus on peace across the Taiwan Strait and bolstering the domestic startup ecosystem, there's an ambitious plan to navigate challenges ahead. I'm Steve Onsker. And I'm Jonathan Martin. Welcome to Daily Rundown from PocketPod News. In e-commerce news, two giants on Amazon's marketplace, Thrasio and Benetago, are hitting financial turbulence with bankruptcy filings. It's a significant shakeup for the online retail landscape as these aggregators face slowing sales and shifting consumer habits. Then over in sports, the NBA has made a critical call regarding the New York Knicks' recent protest of their loss to the Houston Rockets. Despite controversy over a last-second foul call, it seems there won't be an overtime do-over for this game. From tech innovation in Taiwan to tumultuous times in e-commerce and pivotal decisions on the basketball court, we've got all angles covered for you today. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to pocketpod.app to join the waitlist. Taiwan's startup ecosystem is poised for a transformation under the leadership of Lai Ching-te. Absolutely. With his presidency beginning in May, there's a wave of optimism among entrepreneurs. They're expecting policies that could really push Taiwan's economic needle forward, especially in cutting-edge sectors like deep tech and EVs. To dig deeper into what Lai Ching-te's presidency could mean for startups in Taiwan, we're joined by PocketPod News visiting business analyst Anthony Byers. Anthony, how significant is this shift for Taiwan's economy and its global positioning? It's quite significant, Jonathan. Lai Ching-te's presidency marks a pivotal moment for Taiwan, especially within the startup ecosystem. His election is seen as a positive development by the startup community, largely because of the expectations that his administration will implement progressive policies aimed at enhancing Taiwan's economic competitiveness on a global scale. Lai, with his background as a doctor, brings a unique perspective to the presidency, emphasizing improving people's lives through technology and innovation. This approach could be particularly beneficial in bolstering sectors like deep tech and electric vehicles, which are crucial for Taiwan's long-term economic sustainability. That sounds promising for local entrepreneurs. Could you elaborate on the specific measures Lai has pledged to support startups? Absolutely. One of the key promises made by Lai during his campaign was an investment of 150 billion NTD, which is about 4.7 billion USD into Taiwan's startups. This commitment is reminiscent of successful funding models observed in South Korea and Japan, where governmental support plays a crucial role in nurturing the startup ecosystem. However, the effectiveness of such an investment in Taiwan will largely depend on how these funds are distributed. There are existing challenges like lengthy review processes for foreign investments that could potentially hinder quick access to these promised funds. Speaking of challenges, raising capital seems to be a major hurdle for Taiwanese startups. 
Indeed, raising capital at growth stages remains a significant challenge due to regulatory hurdles and limited access to funds, a notable strategy employed by many Taiwanese entrepreneurs to circumvent these obstacles is registering their companies offshore to attract international investors. A recent report highlighted that 44.3% of startups identified lack of access to funds as their biggest challenge. With Taiwan's small domestic market, how critical are policies that support global expansion for these startups? Policies geared towards global expansion are vital. The new southbound policy aims at facilitating expansion into South Asia and Southeast Asia. However, entrepreneurs believe more comprehensive support is required. For startups in Taiwan to truly thrive and compete on an international stage, they need not just financial backing but also strategic guidance and resources from the government to navigate overseas markets effectively. And what about job creation within this ecosystem? Creating quality jobs within innovative sectors is undoubtedly a priority under Lai's administration. There's a strong emphasis on supporting industries such as electric vehicles where Taiwan already has or can further develop competitive advantages. By focusing on these sectors, Lai aims not only to bolster job creation, with one promise being the creation of 20,000 startup jobs, but also ensure long-term growth and sustainability for Taiwan's economy. It certainly seems like there's both excitement and anticipation from Taiwan's startup community regarding what lies ahead under President Lai ching leadership. Precisely, Jonathan. While there are hurdles such as funding access and regulatory challenges that need addressing, the overall sentiment is optimistic. If Lai ching administration delivers on its promises effectively, we could see substantial growth in Taiwan's startup ecosystem, fostering innovation not just locally, but also marking its presence more strongly on the global stage. Thank you for those insights, Anthony. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. In the ever-evolving world of e-commerce, one of the biggest stories this week is about Thrasio. That's right. Thrasio, a giant in the Amazon aggregator space, has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in a New Jersey court. It's a strategic move aimed at restructuring the company's massive debt. And it's not just about managing debts. Thrasio is looking to defer interest payments for a year post-bankruptcy and reduce its debt by approximately $495 million. This step highlights some of the challenges facing aggregators who experienced rapid growth during the pandemic. But despite these hurdles, Thrasio has secured up to $90 million in new financing from lenders and reports having up to $10 billion in assets against up to $1 billion in liabilities. It's a significant development that could shape the future of e-commerce aggregators. To dive deeper into what this means for Thrasio and the broader e-commerce landscape, we're joined by PocketPod News Business and Finance Correspondent Scott Dwyer. Scott, can you break down what led to this situation and what it might mean for the future? Absolutely. Jonathan, Thrasio's move to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in a New Jersey court is a significant development in the e-commerce world. This decision came about as part of Thrasio's strategy to navigate through its financial troubles by restructuring the company. The idea here is to lighten the financial load by reducing its debt by about $495 million and deferring interest payments for 12 months after it emerges from bankruptcy. That sounds like a hefty reduction. Can you explain how this restructuring might impact Thrasio's operations moving forward? Sure thing. This restructuring agreement with lenders is pivotal for Thrasio. It not only alleviates immediate financial pressures, but also sets the stage for future growth within the fiercely competitive Amazon marketplace. 
By significantly cutting down its debt and deferring interest payments, Thrasio aims to regain stability and focus on expanding its business model, which revolves around acquiring smaller sellers on Amazon's platform. Speaking of their business model, could you delve into the challenges Amazon aggregators like Thracio are currently facing? Certainly, Jonathan, the core of Amazon aggregator's strategy has been to buy up smaller sellers on Amazon and leverage economies of scale to grow rapidly. This model thrived during the pandemic as online sales surged. However, as we've moved past those peak pandemic years, the slowdown in online sales growth presents a formidable challenge. The reduced momentum in e-commerce has put pressure on aggregators like Thrasio that banked heavily on continued high growth rates. And what about their financial health? How does Thrasio stand currently? Despite filing for bankruptcy, it's crucial to note that Thrasio isn't exactly financially destitute. They've managed to secure commitments for up to $90 million in new financing from lenders and report, having up to $10 billion in assets versus up to $1 billion in liabilities. This considerable asset base, coupled with fresh capital injection positions, them favorably to not just survive, but potentially thrive as they aim to recalibrate their business strategy and bolster their balance sheet. That's an interesting perspective, especially considering the current circumstances. What has been said about this move from within Thrasio? Greg Greeley, CEO of Thrasio, has been quite optimistic about this development. He views the bankruptcy filing and subsequent restructuring as an opportunity for the company to realign with its strategic goals more effectively and ensure long-term viability within the digital marketplace landscape. Greeley emphasized that this move supports brands under their umbrella and scales infrastructure towards sustainable growth. It seems there's a silver lining then for Thrasio amidst this challenging situation. Exactly, Jonathan. While Chapter 11 bankruptcy often signals trouble, in this case, it appears part of a strategic pivot aimed at overcoming current obstacles while setting sights on future stability and growth within an evolving e-commerce ecosystem. Thanks for breaking that down so clearly, Scott. My pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. It was a moment that had basketball fans up in arms, a controversial foul call that decided the fate of a closely contested NBA game. Right. We're talking about the New York Knicks versus the Houston Rockets game on February 12th. With seconds left and the score tied at 103, a foul call on Knicks guard Jalen Brunson led to two free throws for the Rockets, tipping the scale. But what stirred more controversy is crew chief Ed Malloy's admission that the call was a mistake. Despite this, when the Knicks protested, the NBA stood by its decision. Incidental contact. Those were Malloy's words. Yet this acknowledgement didn't change the outcome. The Knicks' protest was denied based on what appears to be a fine line between an error in judgment and a misapplication of rules. As an Pisi. To dive deeper into this contentious decision and its implications for sports officiating and governance, Pocket Pod sports reporter Dustin Sherman joins us. Dustin, how do these regulations affect not just this game, but potentially future decisions in high-stakes sports scenarios. Well, Jonathan, it's a fascinating case that highlights the the nuanced and often complex world of sports officiating. At its core, this incident with the Knicks and Rockets underscores a critical aspect of professional sports, the balance between human judgment and the unyielding framework of official rules. 
The NBA's decision to uphold the game's result despite acknowledging an error in judgment by referee Jason Gobble speaks volumes about how these situations are navigated. Essentially, the league differentiates between a misapplication of official playing rules, which might warrant a game protest being upheld, and an error in judgment, which typically does not. This distinction is crucial because it emphasizes that not all mistakes is made during a game are viewed equally under legal policies. That's interesting, Dustin. Could you elaborate on the specifics of this incident? What exactly happened during those final moments? Absolutely. On February 12th, with the game tied at 103 all and just seconds left on the clock, Rockets guard Aaron Holiday attempted a three-pointer. Knicks guard Jalen Brunson was called for fouling Holiday by referee Jason Goebel. These two free throws awarded to Holiday effectively decided the game in favor of Houston with a final score of 105 to 103. The controversy stems from this call being later deemed as incorrect by crew chief Ed Malloy, who admitted that Brunson's contact was incidental and shouldn't have led to a foul. So, if Malloy admitted to this mistake post-game, why did the Knicks' protest get denied? The crux lies in the NBA's criteria for considering game protests. The league essentially argues that while errors in judgment can occur, they do not necessarily justify overturning or replaying parts of a game unless there's been a direct misapplication of playing rules. In this case, while Malloy acknowledged that an error was made, it was classified as an error in judgment rather than a misapplication of rules, hence why the protest was denied. And what would have happened if the protest was successful? Had their protest been upheld, Jonathan, both teams would have had to replay from just before the controversial call during a five-minute overtime period to determine the winner anew. This process is incredibly rare, but underscores how pivotal certain calls can be in determining match outcomes. Last question before we wrap up. What does this incident tell us about sports officiating more broadly? It highlights an age-old debate in professional sports. How much should games be left to human discretion versus strictly adhering to rule books? While technology like instant replay has reduced some errors, Incidents like these remind us that human element will always play a role in sports officiating. This particular case also shines light on how leagues manage errors when they inevitably occur and how they strive to maintain fairness and integrity within games despite inherent challenges. That was PocketPod sports reporter Dustin Sherman. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. It's always enlightening discussing these intricate aspects of sports governance and officiating. And that's Daily Rundown for Thursday, February 29th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.